Welcome to the By the Hood podcast. Before we jump into this episode, just wanted to make you aware that on our website, bythehood.com, we have a free webinar on an intro to the stock market. So please go check it out. Just go to bythehood.com and you'll get the free intro to the stock market webinar. Take it easy and enjoy this episode. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the By the Hood podcast or webcast because we don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy. And as we start off every show, that's with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to everyone um, who helped us in any way. Share our content, um, specifically the students at By the Hood University. Just want to say thank you and give you guys a special shout out. Um, but our platform, as always, is designed to highlight brothers and sisters who are doing positive work in the community. Who are building amazing things, but I'm, you know, before we get into that, my brother Corey is here with me. Corey, what's up, brother? What's Corey, going on? Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry about that. What's going on, y'all? You know, glad to be alive. Every day above ground is a good day. Okay, yes, sir, yes, sir. So, with that being said, you know, um, this episode is is, is something I've been looking forward to because we have with us uh, someone who's doing amazing work out there. We have Talisha Shine, who is an expert, all right, an expert. In cryptocurrency, which is, you know, something I love to talk about, but she co-founded the Black Blockchain Consultants. So we're going to talk to her about her work, um, about crypto and a little bit about everything that she's got going on. But Talisha, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, this is amazing. Listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation because um, I know you have a wealth of knowledge uh, just based upon the conversations that, you know, we, we had at our webinar. Um but before we get into your actual work with the Black Blockchain Consultants, can you tell us about yourself? Like, where were you born, raised? I'm a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania girl. So I'm, I'm Steelers all the way, Steeler oh. Nation. Yes. <laughs> I, I was there for all the championships. So that, that'll tell you how old I am. <laughs> so I, I think that has shaped me as a person. And just moving through that, that ecosystem has really have worked for me well. I, I was a chemical and mechanical engineering major at first, but that was 1990. So everybody was trying to be an engineer. I liked it, but didn't like it enough to continue. So I went back to school to get a computer information and science degree and then an MBA, just kind of moving through because that's what we're told to do. And now I just applied in a lot of different areas, specifically blockchain, but also with healthcare, because that's my, my passion. So I've combined both of those two things at this point. Oh man, that's, a, that's an amazing background. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a lot of questions just based on that, right? Because, you know, you, you talked about, you said, I was there for all the championships. You said that, not me. Now, with that yeah, being said, but that's, also, that's also interesting <laughs> because um, of, of your um, appreciation and also, you know, um, your work in the blockchain space. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people, you know, specifically, I'll say people even our age, don't want to embrace blockchain, but you have embraced blockchain. Most definitely. Um, what was it about uh, blockchain technology that made you, you know, put this as makes this part of your life's work? I said I've been an IT professional um, since 1999. And so I'm, I'm pretty much a back end person. I do a lot of coding. I did a lot of infrastructure work sitting between business teams and development teams. So I'm always looking for how does it work? What is the platform that it works on? So in 2016, 2017, that Bitcoin craze kind of came. And everybody was talking about an application, which was great, but I wanted to know what was the basis of the application. So I started to dig and that, you know, instantly kind of landed on blockchain and there was so much more to it. And again, trying to apply it to other things rather than just cryptocurrency, the healthcare industry is a mess, has been a mess always, but it is a passion of mine, like I said. And so I was thinking, how can I leverage it for that particular industry? And it just kind of as everything in this industry happens, it kind of just snowballs and you keep going down more and more rabbit holes and there was so much more to it. So that's how even the black blockchain consultants were because people wanted to know a little bit more um, from the business of blockchain rather than just the cryptocurrency application. Yes, that's interesting. So um, my, my background is in real estate and, and for me, I'm always trying to think about how blockchain can work within my industry. So your health you're thinking about that as well. Mm -hmm. Corey's in education, so I'm pretty sure there's applications there. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for him because the thing about it is, well, I mean, I'll let y'all go into a lot of the other things, but like, I just want to, I'm looking for solutions to some of the testing and, uh, and some of the weird stuff mm -hmm. that goes on in education where paperwork gets lost, where on the blockchain, it'll just be sitting there. And you don't have to, you don't have to go digging around for it. It'll just be sitting there waiting right. on you. 
Yeah. I'm sure there's just the, we all have this. I always say there's certain things that every industry happens. Credentialing is a big one. Credentialing is a pain, but it's simple. It's just a pain everywhere you go, from real estate to education, definitely in healthcare. We have this problem, and I think you know, 2020 showed us very well that there were big, big gaps. <laughs> In a lot of different things, I call it the year of the jalopy. It was finally when the car broke down. Mm -hmm. You couldn't jimmy rig it. You couldn't put it together. You would, you know, the thing doesn't slide your window. You need to hit it to put everything just fell apart and triple A's. Like we picking it up and we taking it to the junkyard. That's what we had happen. And finally, everybody recognized this. It's like these little things that happen to us can all be solved. And particularly in healthcare, we have a lot of people specifically being needed in these areas. We saw large amounts of healthcare professionals being flown to different cities to take care, but they are on the ground having to wait because they weren't credentialed. And that happens every time we have a natural disaster or we need a surplus of people from somewhere else to do something in a different place. And that's something that's so simple. And that was where the blockchain instantly came in. And also with the pandemic itself, we were doing testing in silos. <laughs> there was so much information going around, but nobody could get to it. Nobody knew how to get the information. You know, oh, I have this test group here. This worked, but this didn't work with this combination. And again, we just kept seeing where it kept cropping up and making a really big impact um, because of everything that it, every, our new system couldn't do. This, this new system could. Nice. Now, is there a pushback from your colleagues uh, in, in the space about um, embracing this technology or? Always. Um, okay. <laughs> Healthcare is the slow, slow. I mean, we had the high tech act to even mandate EHR systems, which are electronic health records. And it was pulling teeth, trying to make people do something that was even beneficial for them. It was very difficult to make people see how this could save lives. 70,000 lives are saved due to incorrect error information being, being modified. And so when I would say that to our lovely doctors and nurses, they're like, yeah, but it's painful. Same thing happens with blockchain. We run into the same type of bureaucratic aspect. How do we do it? But what if we don't want it this way? And how do we get to share when we don't really want to share? So we have the same conversations pretty much over and over again. But it's relevant. It's now you see what happens. We have now a very strong use case for it when you don't have the access that you need. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, um, you know, I love the black blockchain consultants because in, in, a lot of times in that space, um, there's not a lot of people that look like us. Yes. So, uh, so I, th I do think it's important to uh, represent that. And speaking of that, I know that you were named um, one of the top 100 black leaders in blockchain. So that, that's an amazing accomplishment. Congratulations. So Thank you. What, what was that like being named to one of the top 100 in the whole space? It kind of just, you know, it always comes up that there's not a lot of people like so my one of my co-founders was interviewed by a Forbes gentleman who was like, I didn't know there were black people in the space. <laughs> and we're like, OK, like we just don't exist. Like we're all in Wakanda somewhere. So it was one of those kind of things like that list was very important. And I thank Deidre McIntyre for putting that out from black people on cryptocurrency was that people always say they can't find things. So when we now give them that, we're very proactive in being just here. Here's a list, pick whatever one you want, just random here. And that became that. So I was really excited to be in there. And again, I've just advocated in different avenues. I know um, last year specifically, I was a mentor for Consensus Health Tech and they had a, a COVID hackathon, which was really a great thing. People from around the world actually came to with their solutions. And this is the importance of representation. While I was a mentor there, I got to listen to all of their solutions and what they were planning to do. And because I was able to have that conversation in the design sessions, wasn't trying to be the Debbie Downer, but I was like, great, great code, wonderful execution, but... And I said that over and over because every time they came up with a solution, the solution could be weaponized against our community. And they couldn't conceptualize that because, A, they didn't think about it. They're not affected that way or impacted. Some of them weren't even from the U.S. But we have to be in those design sessions. We have to have that critical mass of like, hey, that's great, but... And that's what we really need to do. And I think that's really what the list was able to do in that sense as well, was giving us that viability to be somewhere first. Mm -hmm. And just even be considered because we definitely the conversations go on all the time and it's hard to undo something that's made. Once you put code out there, it lists like forever. It's going to be there. Yeah. And and, and that's interesting that you say that uh, because um, 
a lot of times people like to talk about Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I mentioned that. People like to talk about whatever, whatever new meme coin that people are chasing at the time. <laughs> but the thing that intrigues me about the space is just how powerful it is. It's a lot bigger than a specific coin. Um, yes, most uh, definitely. Yeah, when you really one, of the, one attribute, I always say, because it's an application, blockchain has five pillars. If you don't have all five, you don't have a blockchain. You have some semblance of it. So we need that distribution. We need distri- uh, you know, decentralization, immutability, tokenization. We all have those things. This is what we're building here. And all these systems require that. And I think people don't even recognize when they're chasing these coins, what they're, the platform that's even on. What does it do? How does it operate? What is it going to be used in another capacity for? They have no clue. And that becomes the issue, I think, Specifically with the meme coins being promoted, it's just a, you know, I always call it a lottery game that everybody's playing when the the seriousness of just like playing on the internet before when we had AOL and chat rooms, it's the same kind of thing. It's yes, it's familiarity, but at the same time, you have to get serious because you can lose a lot of your money and time with these kind of um, pursuits. Yeah, like I I just had a realization, not a realization, I've already known. But the more you dig into the space, the more I recognize the power, just the power of decentralization itself. Mm-hmm. It's that one aspect of it. And I, and I don't think a lot of, I know for, no, but let's put it this way. The people I come across don't even recognize. No idea. Well, it's not, it's not something that you're taught. You don't know what decentralization means. Most mm-hmm. people are like, is it the opposite of centralization? They don't even know what centralization means. <laughs> I mean, so it's like those so, are I'm a semantic buff. So yeah, I'm gonna like I'm gonna correct you each and every time. I'm the person who says big B is the is the network, little B is the currency. I like the semantics because <laughs> semantics get you further and you can make a mistake specifically in healthcare. One little thing can make this a big difference. So that's what happens is decentralization is crucial. Uh, and, and what we're trying to do. And so when, again, chasing coins, you're not recognizing that particular aspect of it. You don't even know to ask that question. So that's why it's yeah. hard when people are just jumping on board. They don't, they're not doing any due diligence. They're just going on like, hey, just pick it up. And it's like, mm, that's not really going to help you any. Yeah, it really I, I, I work for our federal government, so I understand centralization, <laughs> decentralization. Very well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, but, but you know, um, Something that you talked about in terms of uh, how it affects us and, and being in those spaces. This is what I mean about like blockchain being bigger than just a coin. Um, one of the things that I've come to realize is how blockchain as a technology can help Black people. Mm-hmm. And can you speak to that though? Just a little bit about how you see how you can see this technology helping our folks. I think it gives us the ability to truly have a conversation and be less than consumers at this point. I think we've gone through, you know, web 1.0, which just made us participants. We got there and we're like, oh, okay, we can get on. That's the AOL, put the disc in. Web 2.0 made us kind of creators in that sense. Now we got to be able to participate, you know, put out our content and do the things that we did, but there was still no reciprocity. Web 3.0 gives us that ability to first time to be owners as well as the creators and participate all in the same kind of sweep. And that's something that we just don't have the chance to do in any other. We've missed that dot-com boom. I know a lot of, some of your audience probably wasn't even born during that time, but that was a big, you know, a big miss for us. And now this is our chance to really kind of participate in this space. And again, from a very different aspect because ownership changes everything. And that's where decentralization also comes in. If you're the owner, of what you're doing and there's a reciprocity whereas now there is a token or something that i can be rewarded with my attention my time even my data you know healthcare data is the number one thing on the black market it is like 13 times <laughs> what you can get on any other market and that's kind of thing if i have control of that specifically and i can now say yes i want to participate and this is how much you're going to give me and you know basically we're going to have this exchange for this time period that changes our our whole entire game. And I think that's where people need to recognize that that's the power rather than just chasing the next dog coin out there. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the uh, Black Blockchain Consultants. How did that actually come to be? You told us about, you know, um, you know your schooling and working in technology and healthcare. Mm-hmm. How did the actual Black Blockchain Consultants come to be, you think? I think it was, again, late 2016, early 2017. 
there was just a group of us wanting to have that conversation. And it, it was a great conversation about Bitcoin. Everybody was, you know, hyped about it. But there was just a few of us that are like, what else? What else is out there? And then, you know, again, there's a lot of people who don't want to always talk about money, but how to make money. And that's where we kind of just started up a general meetup and it grew from about 10 to 12 to 20 people, then 60 people, and then on and on. And so we kind of put together a strategy, which we were going to educate people about blockchain. Instead of just telling you about the latest and greatest coin, we were truly going to show you what the technology was capable of, but from a business perspective, not from a heavy tech perspective. I would say no one wants to know about Wi-Fi. They just want the password. That's the same thing with blockchain. You don't need to know all about it. You need to know some aspects, but you really need to know how it works. And that's where the reskilling comes in. And that was something that, you know, my co-founders were really important to them. One of them was a teacher, others a business plan writer, uh, an HR professional, and other an industry professional as well, that we all wanted to understand how to move people from where they are to the next step. And that's again, how to transition more so than just brand new learning, just like, okay, just thrust you into a new space, take what you have and use it in this web 3.0. And that was kind of how we started. And it just kind of grew into this kind of behemoth thing where we you know, put on conferences. We definitely try to give people practicums and on-hand experience with certain things. So we partnered with Simba Chain in 2020 as well uh, to give people smart contract I would say you learn better when you're a vocational learner. I think Mr. Corey can t attest to that. When you have your hands on it, it makes it much more sense. Heck to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heck yes. Yeah, it's just one of those things, you know. So, and I'm like, smart contracts are no different. It's like, let's, let's see the logic. You don't really need to see the code, but you do need to see that front end piece of how things work together. Put the Legos together, and then you can build whatever you want. And those are those kind of opportunities that we gave individuals in our group. And we still kind of have a community that supports people, you know, wanting to see how do I get in? What's a good entry point? How do I leverage the skills that I have? I'm thinking about it, but I just don't know where to find. So we kind of guide and help and ultimately educate individuals with, you know, how to use this space to their advantage. Nice, nice. So as someone who's an uh, expert in the space, what uh, projects intrigue you? You know, not not necessarily from an investment standpoint, but just from you know from the project standpoint. What projects do you look at and they say, okay, there's something there? I think there's so many out there that really just kind of work. I think from a economic side, the DeFi space is really an interesting aspect. Again, moving people from something that they sort of kind of know into a digital space, but also making it viable for them. I definitely think our healthcare industry is just booming with new and innovative products that are coming out and a lot of people are leveraging them. Specifically, I work uh, with health tech, um, two organizations right now, two startups are working with NFTs and that's a great, a great use case in itself. I know a lot of people are just getting on board with NFTs, but it's the, one of the oldest use cases of blockchain. Yeah. <laughs> it's made like 2010, everybody was using it for authentication. And that's what we really need it for specifically in the healthcare space, having that ability to, again, maneuver data and information that needs to be heavily secured and authenticated, but moving it much more succinctly and more swiftly through some of these systems is where the NFT comes into. So I think those are the greatest ones that I see. I like to, I like to see the creativity because I think always entertainment will always move the bar faster than what I consider the the lay kind of, you know, unsexy projects. But the unsexy projects is where I do my best work because those are the things that really are going to be ubiquitous. Those are the things that just keep coming over and over. You're going to swipe your card. You know, it'll be an NFT card of some sort. You don't even know. You just get a bus ticket. My daughter's, you know, dining hall experience, her tuition, whatever. Those are those kind of things that we will see. And those will be those really what I consider those pillars and those anchors to using the technology for what it's used. And again, no one will know what's behind it. You'll just use it as you are today. Yeah, yeah. That's that's absolutely true. So I, and I've been thinking about this too. Um, something you said about like Wi-Fi. No one wants to know how it works. It is with the password. I'm kind of thinking about this in terms of the, the crypto space. Like, will we end up with just bigger centralized entities running the space because people don't want to care about how things work. They just want to know that it works. So, so entities like a Coinbase or just different. Um, because again, you don't have to know how it works. I know I can put my credit card on here. I can go here and I can use it. So that's kind of like what I'm what I'm wondering how this whole thing plays out. Will people just, you know, work with the 
entity that's you know kind of centralized yeah. like one thing is people like people like to be told what to do i i, I mean just to be completely honest people like to be told what to do people don't want control of their own life because then you have to be in control of it right so that's why centralized banks became so important in the first place it's because people didn't want the responsibility and so with crypto comes a lot of responsibility because you become responsible for your own information for protecting that information and for you know keeping that information you know whatever um however you do it and so a lot of people don't want that responsibility that's that's what they think the government is there for hmm. and so that's why you haven't had mass adoption yet because a lot of people don't want the responsibility of being nobody wants to be a responsibility of being your own bank if somebody steals their money they want somebody to give it back to them right <laughs> you know what i mean like so I you know agree. so like nobody and so, it, you know, it gets a lot, especially when you don't understand the technology, right? And so, like, if somebody, if you swipe your visa in a store and someone steals your information and they steal your money, Visa will give you your money back, right? But if you swipe your crypto card and somebody steals some Bitcoin from you, nobody's giving you that money back because Bitcoin doesn't have an owner. And so you're nobody wants that responsibility. And so okay. that's that's part of the reason why mass adoption hasn't happened a lot faster. So so you believe that it, it you know that that was kind of my question like what will it ever happen because of that actual fact that yeah. and I'll I'll give an example again this is where I think I have a generational issue. My mother is a little bit older than I am. My daughter is 30 years younger than me. So I have a digital native that wants to swipe everywhere. She hates money. She doesn't like coins. She wants to use it everywhere. And she just loves her pin and her password. She's good to go. My mother can't remember, doesn't think, you know, she's going to hit the button and she's going to blow up the world somehow. So what <laughs> happens in these kind of situations? <laughs> yeah, she's like, if I touch it, is it going to? Nope, it's not. But this is where I think this is kind of where we split the Gen Xers play the biggest role in adoption is getting people to see how it works for them. That's the first thing. Not all technology, as I tell people, is for everybody. I code. That doesn't mean that everybody uses a computer to code. That's that's half the world. Right. So I think these are the kinds of things that when we talk about adoption, we really need to talk about how people are going to utilize it, what makes it simple for them. And that's where the decentralization. Now we we have an understanding of what happens when we have one system, but now we're moving into what happens when we have a new one. And you have to again incentivize people. We didn't have, you know, you didn't have your email before, but you learned to use it. Man, you so learn to use your passwords and your pins and all of those things. So man. it's just kind of the same aspect is that we have to have we're, we're, you know, we're very much well with the, the digital natives who know what to do and how to do that, but we teach them responsibility. We're now on the other side, that generation that is kind of hesitant to it and really does need that handholding, we're there to teach them. And that's really the job. And that's again, where our community needs to come full force. You, we cannot be siloed and even ourselves. It may work for you. You have to make it work for everybody else. And so that's I, I, I have a friend that says that, um, there will not be mass adoption until sex workers and drug dealers can use it. Well, they and can see blockchain has been used in those industries no, before. No, <laughs> so I, already I, I, I know that because <laughs> yeah. I, I know that sex work is always at the front, forefront of of, uh, yes. of of all technology, right? Because exactly they're they because because how sex work is looked at in our society, mm -hmm. they have to get out in front or they're going to, you know, they'll get penalized and punished. Yeah, and so they've been they, using blockchain for a whole host of things without, oh, you know, they've been I, using cryptocurrencies. And it's amazing what has happened in that. Yeah, and again, yeah. and people forget that this is not just a U.S. thing. This is where we all do all over the world. Global. Yeah. This is where global interaction comes. A Bitcoin is a Bitcoin here in Argentina, in Botswana. It's it's a Bitcoin. And that makes it very much more viable for us to be utilizing. And I think, again, our community really has a lot of different things going on in it. And this is some of these things really are broached in a delicate way in the sense that, yes, we all know we have these things going on. But collectively, there are some solutions and we have to make that choice to say, yes, I'm going to do this. And yes, it's going to take some learning. It's, it's always a learning curve. I always say, when I taught my mother how to use email and her iPad, she huffed and fussed and cussed and hollered. 
But now she's like, oh, can I just email you? Now she's all with it. That's what happens. And we have to take the time. And I think people just want to just do it. And we are not Nike. We're not just going to do it. We need some help. We're going to have to step through it. And I think that's where the mass adoption comes in is just like anything else. Once it becomes really important and you see the value, then you'll get to understand it. And then the other things are going to be APIs. My daughter is a high school graduate right now. She's about to graduate in a couple of weeks and she's going into UI UX. I tell her all the time, your job is to make it seamless. That's what she's that, That's her whole job. Like whatever you do, whatever you're making, make mm-hmm. it seamless and make it make sure that everybody understands because transparency is one of those clear things, but also just that I can do it. Can I make sense of this by being onboarded through the product? I love products that take me through it while I'm doing it. I'm like, that's your job. That is your main goal with everything you build now. Even if it's artistic and pretty, it has to be functional and it has to take me step by step by step. That's how you get to mass adoption. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as a teacher, I like the way that you just did that because, you know, you have to make it so that the the, the lay person can do it, right? Yeah. So if the lay yeah. per- if it, there's no mass adoption without lay people. And so- yeah, I mean, it's, it's useless. That's why I said. I remember having to put in all the, you know, the letters and the characters for a URL before there were regular URLs. And it wasn't cute. I remember punch cards. So that tells you how long ago. Oh, man. <laughs> yes, that's, oh, that's, man. That's I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> so that was not cute. Nobody wanted to do that and nobody was going to do that. So it became, yes, let's have something that makes sense something that I can just type in that's a sentence, that's a word, that's what's going to work. And we have that. And so we've, we have history. And I think this is where we really need to leverage our history to show our digital divide has happened. And we, we know where those pitfalls are. We have a, a full grasp of where we made our little missteps, our mistakes, and how to rectify them. So all we need to do is apply that knowledge to what we're doing now and understand where we're going and just have a plan. This is the first time that we can say, I know what's coming because we've been told what's coming and we can see it on the horizon. It's not that far. It's not like this is rocket science. Hold on, Jim. There's three things in my lifetime that remind me of the things that you just talked about. One is the Internet, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Internet went through phases and you just couldn't like people just couldn't understand it at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Right music right from eight tracks to the wax to you know to digital like mm-hmm. and then atms is the other thing right nobody wanted to use an atm like like oh, what are you used to call the mac machines that's yeah. Mac. yeah no mac <laughs> machine. listen i i said i say atm now but i grew up saying mac machine because yeah. even though mac Mac was the brand name. Exactly. But you know, every everyone wasn't a Mac machine, but it, Mac was the brand name. And so mm-hmm. my mom still says Mac machine. So, <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> right. So I, I, I get it one thousand percent. And so that that it all remind those three things remind me of, about what you say. Once the ease of use became, you know, because people were, you know, trying to download digital music and burn CDs and things mm-hmm. of that nature. And so that changed the whole nature of music. And and the same thing with the internet. Once people were able to just type in a simple URL and and, and, and go from one space to another space. Um, where you didn't have to slide a disc in to, you know, I, I remember getting, you know, you had to order your internet and get a disc and wait and then <laughs> stick it in your computer and then upload. Like, I'm like, that's why I phone line. Hold on. But see, that also, it's not the ease of use, also, it's the security. And I think this is the beauty of blockchain, is yeah. it has that embedded into it. It is one of the Automatically. products that is encrypted on its nature. There is no other security level. You can add it if you want to, to be extra, extra, but it's already there. And once you have the understanding that this is secure, I don't need to trust you. I need to trust the technology, which is pretty much, that's better than me trusting you. And it's easy to use. That's a win-win combination. We can do that. And I'm glad you said that about like, it's going to happen. Like you can see it happening because Mm -hmm. I found myself recently um, working in a real estate transaction, I found myself talking to like every actor along the way about you need to be studying blockchain. You know, it's, it's almost like I'm, I know I'm annoying people because I'm like I'm like an evangelist, but I see, because I see what's going to happen mm-hmm. and I know I know how it's going to affect our people. Like I remember telling the, the general contractor in terms of like having his paperwork submitted, and, and I was telling him this can be done on a blockchain a lot more efficient. 
Mm-hmm. Um, talking to the mortgage broker about the parts of their job that could be done on the blockchain. The title company looking up the title of a property. Yeah, they, they need real help because they're they're the people who are going to be removed. Exactly. So my like, I, I like to talk to people who, you know, this is good for you, but there's people that you need to talk to because it's like your job is being replaced. Like easily. Yellow pages, like you don't go to yellow pages. You don't do certain things anymore. Why? Because they don't exist and there's no need for them. And those people, yes. title companies, all those intermediaries are really are, they need to find something else to do with themselves. Notaries and title companies, like, no, yeah, that's there's it. no so need to notarize it. anything on the blockchain. Yeah, you like, don't, because it's, it's, it's built in. That's why I tell people, when, when I can create something that does it automatically, and then I don't have to have anybody else do it for me or or interact with me. That makes it better. And I'm like, don't you like that part about it? And people go, yeah. So again, it's having the conversation in a way that's relevant rather than talking about tech. Most of my people that I talk to, I don't talk to them about the technical side, even though that's my favorite part about it. There's no need to have that conversation unless I'm with my tech friends and we can geek out about it. But the practicality of it, like, how does this impact me? They always say, what would Jesus do? How does this work for me? How does this make me feel? Does it make me okay? Yes. And I constantly am selling that part. Like, this is how it makes your life better. Wouldn't it be better if you could do this instantaneously? You didn't have to close in 30, 40, 50 days. You could get it done in minutes. And people go, oh, okay, let's talk about it. So you get them where it's, I feel like we're in a marketing phase. (laughs) Um, But we did that with the internet as well. Like, oh, don't you want to be in a chat room? Oh, don't you want to have email? We did the whole Vanna Black in that same stage, I remember. And it's just the same. I said, that's why we're using history to guide us, but also to be very much those pitfalls. I think that's where people forget. It's like, it it wasn't seamless. There were lots of things that went wrong. very early on that no one wants to talk about, but I'm like, we can't do that again. It's too yeah. much, it's, we're at risk for doing that. But now we secure things, people buy everything from groceries to, you know, <laughs> to why, to everything from houses and cars and things that they don't ever even see. And they just are dropped off at your home. You wouldn't have done that. Even 2020 was, I think a very nice thing that came out of that that showed you that we could the possibility was already there. People could work from home. You could shop this way. You could get everything you needed. It, in sped, it sped everything up because because you it had to. Like yeah. there was no other recourse because the the literal the, literally the world shut down for a month. Mm-hmm. So the only thing that was open was like restaurant. I mean not restaurants. Uh, supermarkets and places like that. Like it was like five stores open in the entire world, and so. That when you when you talk about this kind of stuff and the evolution of things, this sped the evolution up yeah. tremendously. COVID sped everything up tremendously. Yeah, it was accelerant by far. And I think we were moving, but I said again, moving at a very glacial pace. I mean, it's like, well, let's dibble, let's dabble. And it just was like, now we can't do that. And that's a lot of the things I think I would like to maintain from this time, specifically in our community, that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Just as we knew had to figure it out very quickly in a year's time, I think we need to keep that same energy as we move forward. We have to be as advantageous. We have to be as curious and that kind of resourceful. That's where we go. Instead of, again, doing chasing coins, we need to be figuring out how do we align these projects to what we're doing? How do they impact us? How does it impact our community? And we could go much further, very much more quickly because again, a unified effort and we get to see in less than a year, you were able to do this. So now you can't, there's no excuse like, oh, it's going to take more time or, oh, we have to do this. We have the plan. We have, all we need is execution at this point. Yeah. See, I need to learn from you uh, how to talk to people. I, I think I come off like an enormous, like, no, you have to be reading this. You have to be studying this. Like, I'm always saying that. And, um, <laughs> yeah. You sound like you got a tinfoil hat on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to be much more demure about it. Maybe that's, yeah, that's coming from a woman. I know how to, you know, to talk to, to the individual yeah. to make you do what I need you to do. But yes, you can't tell people what to do. You can suggest yeah. and show them how it works for them. Like, you got to make them think it's their idea. Yeah, but, that's, to, that's, but, to, but to your point, the reason is because I've seen this already. Like I've seen this with the dot com. Mm-hmm. I've seen this. I, I I see transfers of wealth. I see you know um power everything, and I see it happening over again. And um, 
you know, people, people are not just, getting in on the front end. Everybody get my thing is when you get in on the back end, you pay the you pay the back end price. Mm-hmm. And so instead of you being paid for your ideas and your work and, and, and being able to move to whatever whatever it is forward, you pay on the back end after somebody else has done all of that work. And and, and that's where we start to lose um ground and, and that's why it's important um what Talisha is doing. And like I can't I can't stress enough how important what you do is to Absolutely. black culture, right? Because a lot of people um are talking about Bitcoin and coins and stuff like you said, but you're talking about the actual applications of moving the, the culture forward. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that's no that that very, very few people are talking about. Yeah, I think it's I would say I compare it to the internet itself. So you know it's like to me, Bitcoin is like the Facebooks and the and the actual places that you go, but we can talk about that all day, but you don't own that and that's not something for you and it benefits you in some ways, but not in others. But if you knew what the internet capability was and how to use it, you would be much farther ahead in your life <laughs> at this mm-hmm. point. If we all had that, if we could understand that e-commerce was coming in the way that it was coming, think about what we could have done differently. And we are a very creative people. I think that's where our community creates and crafts everything. Every bit of, of ingenuity comes from us in some way and we make it better all the time. We need to apply that same tenacity to these type of things and to really strong platforms and infrastructures. I said, like, this is the house that we're building. We need to also build that plumbing. We need to also build these foundations because that's where our sustainability lies. We cannot no longer rely on anybody else because there's nobody else to do it. They're worried about their own selves at this point. Everybody's in it for themselves. We have to really look um, at ourselves globally and as a community to make this work. Yeah. So let me ask you this question. Um, over the last like couple months or so, considering that you're associated with the blockchain, you know, your work is amazing. Um, how how has your phone and inbox been with people uh calling and asking you about meme coins? Uh, is it is it like you know? Is it, you know said yet? <laughs> okay. I, I just just I just wanted to make sure it wasn't us. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I tell you, yeah, my my co-founders laugh at me because I'm like, there's five of us. Why does everybody call me? They're like, because you're friendly. I'm like, no, I'm not especially at 5 a.m. I'm not friendly. I'm not. Ask my child. But yeah, the indignation of it is just absolutely insane when I talk to people about it, because I get I've always said, like, we can have a conversation, but I'm not going to advise you. I'm not a financial professional. I'm a tech person. I'm not an investor. But it didn't stop. It went like, like, can I how, where can I do it? Can I flip flop it here? I mean, every day. I get hundreds and hundreds of emails and texts and DMs from people that I do not know that really want me to answer them very quickly. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not tech support. Did that. No longer do that. Thanks though. <laughs> I could only imagine. I could only imagine. Get on this cuckoo thing. I'm like, I don't even know what cuckoo is. So I'm, I can't really help you. It's like, can I have, what is this thing? I'm like, I don't know. It's like having that conversation. Can you see my screen? No, we're not FaceTime. You're calling me and we're just <laughs> I can't see what you're doing. Yeah. It, it truly is awful. I feel for you. I always call it the crypto commiseration committee. Yeah. I'm a part of it because I need like, something. <laughs> can't. At one point, I'm like, I love y'all. I really do. But if you ask me one more time about that damn coin, I'm going yeah. to this phone. I, I do. I, I can't do it. So that even my article that I wrote recently was just it was out of that kind of frustration of having this conversation. And again, I always hark back to my childhood where playing numbers and gambling was a part of my culture. That mm-hmm. is something I think everybody across you know our community would understand. Either you played it you know legitimately or not so much legitimately. But we had the PA lottery and we had little balls and every it's you know six fifty nine every night. This is what happened. But yeah. it also compare and contrast to game shows. And I think that's one of those things where game show contestants are informed. They have to study. They have to understand things, even if it's the price is right or jeopardy. You had to study and be knowledgeable. And that's all that I ask people to do. Do some due diligence before you come and ask questions. Just don't, you know, like, just oh, tell man. me what to do. I cannot tell you what to do. Uh, you see, you're a lot nicer than me. I, my my calls <laughs> have went down dramatically because I, I, I have one statement 
And that statement has stopped people from calling me, which is if you have to ask me, you don't know enough about it to buy it. Yeah, I've tried to be a little bit nicer. Like, I, again, I try to say, like, I ask my daughter, you ask me a question, I kind of help you help you find the answer. I call it my Jerry Maguire. Help me help you. <laughs> if you ask me a question, I'm going to give you a resource that you can go not only find the answer, but find some auxiliary stuff along the way. And if you then have some more questions, now we can have a conversation. But this ask answer, I don't do that. This is not we're not playing this game. And it's very difficult when, like I said, it, I'm getting DM'd every minute of every day. Like, just I, tell me what to buy. And it's like, yeah. not, that's not huh? how, I'm a, I'm a grown woman. You don't talk to me like crazy. That's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, I, I did the ask answer. I just didn't give them the answer that they wanted. <laughs> I give you resources. That's why I always tell you. If you ask me a question, I'm going to tell you how to find it. That's, that's my teacher esque moment. Yeah, see, I, I'm, I'm learning a lot from this conversation. I, I need to find a better approach of communication. Yeah, I, 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 I see. I see too. I did that. I need a better approach because I, you know, I think I might be turning away some people that might be able to do some things. But I'm just. I think, I'm, I think the, the eagerness is wonderful. I love the enthusiasm. I just don't like the approach. That's what we have to change. We have to stop trying to get in at any given means and just doing it incorrectly because people are out here literally losing their minds and losing their money. Yeah, yeah. And as Corey said, you cannot call. There is no visa to call and <laughs> get your money back. Once it's gone, it's gone. And that also turns people off from the space and then they think it's a scam and then they perpetuate all the negative stereotypes. So it's like, if you did it right, you wouldn't have this negative experience, but because you're approaching it this way and you've got this, you know, you get what you get because you did what you did. Now you feel some type of way, and I can't unlearn that problem. Like that's the problem. I'm already trying to teach you something. I don't want to have to unlearn something to then teach you the right way. Let's learn yeah. it the right way the first time. It takes time, but there's there's millions of them. They're gonna keep coming and coming and coming. That's I'm like you're not missing anything. Time. That's everything that you just said. That's that's so far. <laughs> yeah, it definitely is. Um. So you, you have a, an amazing resume, by the way, extensive in, in the crypto space. Uh, but along this journey, mm -hmm. what has been your biggest hurdle to get you from where you started to where you are now in terms of your knowledge, understanding and everything? What's been the biggest hurdle for you? I, was, I think it's just showing up uh, as me in the space is always, you know, again, it's a pro and a con. I'm me. I, I come with me. But at the same time, there's a lot of negativity that, you know, I'm usually when I go to these events, I'm the only black female there, which is amazing still at the same time that it's, you're kind of used to it. I've been in IT for a long time. So it's not like, oh, I was hoping I kind of, you know, wish and hope, but it's still the same everywhere I go. And again, people don't like the knowledge. It's, it's hard to disseminate this information. People really have come at this space at a, at a very different ways, but it's, it's really an uphill battle having the conversation, I know you gentlemen probably can appreciate this. Crypto is not, you know, either people are curious or just totally turned off. And it's hard to battle that. And mm. even, you know, kind of, I would say just, you know, cupping the curiosity and making them not go off on the rails. And also to just get them to even listen to you when they're just like, nope, it's a scam. It's a Ponzi. It's this, it's that. These are the kind of things. So I think those are the hardest things. But if you show up every day, which I, I've shown up since 2016 and I continue to do so, I think that's the only difference that I can make is by showing up and giving the same information all the time. Nice. Let me ask you this question. Uh, it's actually a two part question. I want to know uh, what is your favorite book or book that's inspired you? But the second part of it is also what's a, a good book within the blockchain space? Because the first book may not be a blockchain or, or a crypto a book, but mm -hmm. what's your favorite crypto book and what's your favorite book overall? It might be the same thing, maybe not. Yeah, well, the book that I call the Bible is The Real Business of Blockchain. That book, I suggest anybody specifically who wants to understand business-related information. And again, I think this is, the tech is always going to be there. This is kind of my spiel that I always tell people. Tech is going to always supersede everything we're doing because people like tech. The tinkers are going to tinker. They've made this and nothing new is about blockchain. All the encryption, all the things that we've done has already been here and we've just now bundled it in a new way. But the business models have to change. We now have to come up with business models that have never been thought of before. And that's where we need the creativity the most, because right now the tech will be the plug and play. We'll figure it out. But you got to tell me what you want it to do. 
And most people can't do that. We are not trying to digitize and just move from one old thing to a new thing. We need to sunset the old and come up with something brand new. And that's that the, the real business of blockchain is by far the book that will tell you how and why to do it. So okay. that's my ultimate. I, I think that's like I said, I re reference that book every single day because it's the, the best book. There's so many others, like I said, that'll teach you. I think, you know, Isaiah Jackson's book, Black America, Bitcoin and Black America is a great book for financial literacy mm -hmm. for you to understand what the impact could be from the digitization of this and going into digital assets and cryptocurrencies. Um, my favorite book of all time is Lessons in Living by Susan L. Taylor, who was the former editor of Essence. Just a great book about life. Nice. <laughs> That's like a just a great lessons in living because there are so many and you have to take them. I think that's what happens. You just don't live life. You also need to learn from it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's oh, talk about technology, right? I've never read the uh, the real business of blockchain. I've read I've read uh, Isaiah's book. He's actually been on here, Bitcoin Zay. Mm -hmm. But I haven't read the real business of blockchain. Highly recommend it. Like I mean, you said it, I've already read it. That's the, that's, the, that's, the, that's the power of technology. I said, oh, I never read that. I've read that. Yeah, that, that book right there, I was like, every minute, I was like, oh, yes. Oh, yes, because I've said some of those things, and it's so nice to feel like you you understand like the potential. Mm -hmm. And then these individuals are coming at it from just a very much, I would say, an executive and entrepreneurial standpoint, um, and also a C-suite level. So they're talking about how do businesses. And I think that's, again, something that we really need. Black people need to think of ourselves as businesses. We are all business entities that oh. need to collaborate. Oh, yeah, I collaborate on. I think that 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 right there is a message. She said, "Black people need to look at themselves as businesses, right? Yes. Need to collaborate." Yeah, I'm just saying we are. We we need to be a consortium of businesses. That's what we need to do. And if we treat ourselves that way, our communities will instantly see that growth because it's exponential. As soon as you think, and you and I, it's three of us here. Now we have three businesses. And I have something that you need and we can now collaborate. We can now, you know, you're a vendor of me at this point. All these things can happen. And that's what we need to think of. But I think we don't think of ourselves as businesses. We think of ourselves as consumers or we're just trying to make it. And that part has definitely done us a disservice because we're, we are. We are enterprises and we need to treat ourselves that way and therefore extend that to our communities. Man, that was powerful right there. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but you know, yeah, you you know people not trying to hear that though, right? I know, I but just, you are. You just think about you raise your household. I always say, look at your households. We are really doing this each and every day, trying to make it work for our household. That's a business. You may not know that, but you're running your business very well. Getting the kids off to school, getting them their you know dinner, making sure the house is clean, making sure you get to the activities. You've all done business things. Again, that's just that we're just not told that. We're not hearing it in that way. And so I feel like if we tell each other, those are business operations. Those you you know who she sounds like? <laughs> she sounds like I kill. Like you have to market the you, you, changing the way math. Yeah. Uh, changing the way that people view math. The, she's doing the same thing in blockchain, mm -hmm. like in, in viewing and in, in how people view things that seem mundane. You know, um, like. That what she said just reminds me a lot of what our kill talks about a lot. Yeah, you you need to talk to our kill Parker. I, I would love to. He's a black it, mathematician. He's a black mathematician, but he talks. Yeah, I love that because I'm a yeah. math and science girl, so yeah. it makes sense. <laughs> but, he, but, but one of his things is how math is marketed to our community. He thinks that it's not marketed the correct way, and that's one of. His, I, I agree 100 because I tell everyone that I've ever grown up with, math is everything that you do. My mother is a wonderful baker. I tell her she's good at metrics and physics because you have to. Baking is a science. It My is. dad used to be a bus driver. I'm like, you do one of the wonderful things with geometry to swing that bus around Pennsylvania corners and Pittsburgh. You know, those streets are very narrow and they're, they're brick streets. That physics and, and that geometry was precise. And he did that for 20 years. It's, it's in everything we do. And we need to stop thinking of math as this thing. It needs to be just an everyday thing as walking and talking and breathing. You do math well, every day. Were you ever a teacher before? No, but I love my teachers. <laughs> and no, you, the way you break things down is just like you know, like, you it know, makes it um, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the way you just said that, I, I had a lot of teacher vibes. Like that's amazing, though. Um, let me ask you this question: um, What does the future look like for you, uh, the black, uh, you know, blockchain? So, what does it look like for you as well as your organization and yourself? What are some of the things you're trying to do moving forward? 
well, we're on a hiatus at this point, but they're all doing different projects. So you probably heard of the 10K project, which has mm -hmm. two co-founders in there. And I just think the future is really about still continuing the mission of education. Uh, we're just doing it in a different way. So we have a Discord channel where we still have our community to help out. I am actually doing more consulting at this point because I think that's where people have really kind of asked me to like, explain this, as you say, explain it to me and make it relevant for me. So that's what I'm doing at this point, specifically with um, some startups. How does blockchain fit? Because everybody doesn't need a blockchain just to have one. And we need to have that conversation as well, just because it's necessary. And I think that's where we're going to be heading towards and having these kind of dialogues of just anywhere, helping other communities do the same thing. And I always say we're businesses. So we're going to continue the, the work that we do and see what else, who partners that we can actually partner with to make this even bigger because the consortium is where it's at. Absolutely. Listen, I, you, you would have been an amazing teacher because the way you break things down, like I, I've, I've learned, I've learned it during this talk, but I need to learn how to uh, talk to people better. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. It's the old mama thing. I think that's also, <laughs> I have a, a wonderful daughter who is very headstrong. And so it's like, okay, let me not hurt you. Let me just talk to you. <laughs> you got the, the black mama. <laughs> yeah, I, I got to change that. You know, you do the woosa. Sometimes the woosa, it's like, I have to talk to myself now. So that I don't go to prison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I get it. Um, so listen, I just want to say thank you for your time. This has been an amazing talk. I, I learned a lot. Um, got me a new book to read. So um, yes. I, you I, how you say it. you can ask the question. I love when people read it because you'll have those aha moments, and I want to know which ones you have. I, I definitely will reach and let you know. Um, I just want to say thank you for the most part, and also what Corey said. Your work is important, and continue to do your work because. You know, I'm always sounding alarm off, but um, I think that we need uh, folks such as yourself out there teaching our people the importance of what's coming. Like we know what's happening, we know what's going to happen. Yes, I think they're 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 listening, and now we just have to make them hear. That's the difference at this point. They're everybody, they're they're very much here. We are are moving and grooving. Now we have to be as we have one sound, one band kind of thing. That's what we need to do because we're all over the place right now, and it's a cacophony, and it needs to be an orchestra. Mm. Mm. Nice, nice. So for the folks watching, um, I'm going to put all of her information within the description box. Uh, so make sure you check out everything that Felicia has going on. Um, she's doing amazing work out there. So please go follow her. Um, let her know that you heard her on By the Hood and, just, you know, um, see everything that she has going on. Corey, do you have any more thoughts or questions before we got here, good brother? I have a lot of thoughts, but we don't have all the time for all the thoughts. But <laughs> I would definitely like to say thank you for coming on. I, I think the work that you're doing is amazing. And again, I you know, like moving things to the forefront that will help our people get to where they gotta go, to me is like is 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 revolutionary, it's groundbreaking, right? And so there's you know, there's a lot of things that people call revolutionary that are just ordinary as hell. But what you're doing is actually <laughs> revolutionary. And so I would like to say thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, for what you do as well. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. So for our folks out there watching, like I said, make sure you check out everything she has going on um, and check us out. Do all the you know good stuff you're supposed to do. Subscribe, follow, share, all that good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> but as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Peace. Thank you.